Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is the only man in Scotland who thinks Lewis Capaldi is handsome. It's his Ayrshire twin, Gaby Mackay. And fresh from eviscerating Frank McAvaney in his column today is our very own official Wokesman, Adam Miller. How you doing? So... What are we talking about today? Well, where else to start but Kieran Tierney? He's been the subject of some offers from Arsenal and looks set to make a mammoth 70 grand a week if he does move down to London. We're going to be discussing that in detail. We go across to Paisley, where there seems to be some tumult going on over Oren Kearney's future as St Mirren manager. And finally, we touch on Frankie, Frankie boy, McAvenny. Right, starting off with you, Gaby. We're going to talk about Kieran Tierney first of all. £15 million offers rejected by Celtic from Arsenal. It looks like a second bid has then subsequently been rejected. Celtic won £25 million. Is it time, as uh, Tam McManus suggests in his column today, that Tierney does take up this opportunity to leave Celtic? You could argue both sides of the coin, I think. On one hand, you could argue that he's won the treble treble for the last three seasons. He's essentially done all he can in Scottish football. He'll want to play in the Champions League group stages again with Celtic, but are they going to realistically progress much further than that? I think on the flip side of that coin, you'd say he missed most of last season with injury, or a lot of last season, if not most of it. Uh, He's had to have surgery after this season finished. So is it the best time now for him to be making a move to a new club straight down to England when he's coming back from a fairly major surgery and he'd probably need to build his fitness back up again? Is, Is this the right time? I think... I agree with what Tam said in his column that eventually will have to leave Celtic if he's going to progress his career and fulfil his potential, but I'm not sure necessarily that this summer's the right time. I guess it would depend on if he's back at absolute peak fitness after that surgery, which obviously we don't have any way of knowing because we're not privy to that kind of information. There seems to be a sense, Adam, that Celtic are happy to do the deal, that Kieran Tierney is going to make the kind of money that would make him happy to do the deal. Are you a little bit surprised at that, uh, especially given Tierney's age, 22, like Adam, like um, uh, Gaby says about his injury record this season, uh, and the fact maybe there's a more obvious sale for Celtic if they do want to do a big uh, transfer this year, and that Callum McGregor is 26, and probably of an age where he could, he, he, sh- he should really be thinking about moving on, because if he doesn't now, he never will. I don't think, firstly, I don't think with Tierney that it's as much as he's definitely going to be offered a far better deal than he's on at the moment with Celtic. Uh, I don't think that money will be the kind of primary factor in whether he decides to stay or go. Um, I think with Tierney, I understand that pull for him of having been a a childhood Celtic fan. He is, at the moment, living the dream. If you told him when he was a child that he was going to get to not just be involved in the Celtic team, but be perhaps the key figure in that Celtic team to have won so many trophies and be where he is at the moment, which is on the verge of potentially a historic 10th successive title if they win the next two. Um, If you told him that, then he would have died happy. But... Where Tierney is just now, I think if you're Kieran Tierney, you're going to look back maybe a couple of years and think, two years ago, you would have said that me and Andy Robertson were roughly comparable in terms of where we were in our, or the, the kind of regard in which we were held. And 
I don't think it's a slight on Kieran Tierney at all to say that Andy Robertson has now greatly exceeded where Tierney is in his career. And Robertson would be considered by anyone on any continent to be one of the outstanding left-backs in the world. Um, and Tierney has the potential to emulate that. Um, I absolutely understand if his instinct is to stay at Celtic and say, I'm going to stay here for another two years, win those 10 titles in a row and then make the move to England. But that's a huge gamble because anything can happen in the next two years. Tierney could have more injuries the way that he's had this season. Uh, He might have a dip in form. That happens to the best of footballers. Um, And there's no guarantee that a team the size of Arsenal will come in for him two years from now. Tierney isn't being asked to do that traditional thing that we've seen with, say, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson, for want of other examples. Uh, He's not being asked to do that thing of go down to a kind of mid-table or lower league, Premier League side, prove himself and then make the jump to one of the top English teams. One of the top English teams is already prepared to make that big money move for him and there's no guarantee that that will be there for him two years from now. So I think there's a real chance that it might happen this summer. Gibby, uh, Arsenal obviously a huge club and a great city in London, but perhaps he's a more attractive option out there. Napoli are also said to be interested. Now, I think it's been fairly well documented in the podcast that I love that neck of the woods. Uh, you're a, a fan of Italian football. How do you think he would get on in Naples, the city, and how do you think he would get on in the team? I think Naples is certainly uh, an interesting place. It's a very, very characterful place, shall we say. Uh, so it's, it's a bit mental, but kind of in a good way. You it's know? kind of like the Italian Glasgow. But better yeah. weather. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and obviously you'd imagine if you're the, a footballer, you'll live in the, the posh bit, bit on the bay, so you won't be having to, you won't have the traffic keeping you up all night and, and stuff like that. So uh, it would obviously be a big culture shock to for a player like Tierney to then move to, to Italy, different language, totally different football culture. So we'll see about that. Uh, Napoli, I think, definitely are needing a right-back. Fauzi Goulam's been out for... Left-back. Left-back, sorry. Yeah, left-back, obviously. Uh, he's been out for the best part of two years with a series of knee injuries, so I can see why they're looking at him. You'd have to wonder if they can compete with the kind of wages Arsenal are offering. I don't know if what Arsenal are offering is net or gross, but the, the 70 grand a week that we've heard reported... Uh, well, if it's net, then there's no real decision to make, is there? Jeez, oh. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. That's but so the Italian media always reports salaries as being net. Uh, so if it's four million a year, even if that's that's gross at Arsenal, what would that be? Two million euros, which is about what Koulibaly's on at Napoli. So yeah. are they going to pay that kind of money for Tierney to get him in and kind of ups maybe upset the wage structure? I don't know. Possibly the I believe the, the tax rates lower in Italy now that they've got a horrible right wing government. So that might uh, it might help uh, Napoli from the paying the wages side of things. It would obviously again be I think it's a bigger bigger cultural difference moving from the Scottish Premiership to Serie A, not just for adapting to life there but the, the style of football is very different I think uh, it's much more it's much more tactical which could I guess present a problem then again you'd think you'd improve a lot tactically playing in that kind of league improve a lot defensively so Na- Napoli also in the Champions League which uh, Arsenal having lost their Euro- uh, Europa League final against Chelsea don't have to offer yeah absolutely so you get at least six Champions League games uh, and you'll be working under Carlo Ancelotti who's obviously one of the the best managers of the last two decades or whatever so you'd think that would that would be an attractive proposition I just have to 
wonder if Napoli could compete with the kind of wages that you'd think Arsenal would be able to put on the table because of that huge TV deal there is in England. It's just not not the same kind of money on offer in Italy unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo. So be the agent. Who, where would you choose if you had the choice between the two of them yourself? If it was a comparable money, what kind of commission am I getting? Ten uh, percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. Well, no. Let's. You know what? We'll be generous. We'll give you twelve. Right. Okay. Well, I would. I'd probably say Arsenal just because I think you can never tell how well a player will adapt to going to another country. Scottish players don't often go abroad. It's not really in their, in their nature. In fact, British players, you've seen a few more young English players now are going abroad to Germany and stuff, but British players tend to stay in the British Isles and you just never know how they're going to react. You know, Ryan Gold's sort of become a bit lost at sporting, hasn't he? You've seen players who may have had other problems, admittedly, like Derek Ryan, Gary O'Connor going abroad. It hasn't really worked out. So I would probably uh, say Arsenal just because it won't be quite the same culture shock. It's a more similar style of football. It's closer to Scotland, uh, so yeah, I'd probably say, I'd probably say that one. But I think either would be a good move for any player. Adam, how did the Celtic replace a player of this quality? Because you cannot do like for like. No, and this is the problem that they have throughout that squad. Whether it be Cham or Callum McGregor, it's so difficult within the confines of who will actually move to Scotland to do a like-for-like quality replacement for them? Well, the problem with Tierney is, first of all, as much as in terms of the transfer fees the Scottish clubs traditionally command, the bid, let's say the second bid that comes in from Arsenal is 19, and if Celtic get what they're supposedly holding out for, which is 25 million plus sell-on fee, I mean, that's what they're supposedly uh, looking for, whether or not that it comes to that, I don't know. But even if they get that... In the wider context of European football, that's not a lot of money. It's, yeah, you look at Juan Bissaka, fifty-five million. Um, only had a couple of seasons at Q, uh, uh, Crystal Palace. Now, understandably, he's performed in the Premier League, but uh, conversely, you could say, well, Tierney's performed in the Champions League. Well, there you go. I mean, Tierney has shown that he's capable of playing at that level, but yeah, as a Scottish team, twenty to twenty-five million is a lot of money. It's not a lot of money that it leaves Celtic with in terms of replacing him. And Tierney obviously came through the system at Celtic, so it's not like they took a punt on a risky player who turned out to be a great left-back for them. They nurtured that player, cultivated him, and he's rewarded them with the last three or four years of excellent football. Um, I think £20 million, £25 million doesn't get you a player of Kieran Tierney's stand, uh, stature to replace him. Um, Celtic have shown maybe not so much in the last couple of seasons but over the last few years Celtic have made quite a lot of very sensible signings uh, or very uh, astute signings uh, through their scouting network they've picked up on good players and then later as basically a selling club they've managed to two or three years down the line sell them on for significantly greater fees. Again, Van Dijk being the obvious example, Wanyama, Dembele recently as well. Um, with with Tierney, um, I just don't know that the money that they've got, uh, that they'll get in if they do sell him, is going to get them a, a replacement anywhere near that level. Um, and clearly left back is even even if Tierney chooses to stay, it's an area where they need to reinforce because Izagiri is gone, so there's the backup gone. Johnny Hayes as a left-back isn't really a reliable 
a solution to that problem and if Tierney does stay there's no guarantee that he'll stay injury free because we saw what happened last season so I think Celtic need to be signing two left backs really and 25 million is not going to get them one of Tierney's uh, ability and a decent uh, backup. Gabe, is that the biggest problem for Celtic? They are going through a period now whereby a lot of the players that were mainstays in that Brendan Rodgers treble treble winning side um, or certainly the Invincibles uh, are now looking at their careers and saying right we're getting to a certain age where we might want to actually move on now we've won absolutely everything that we can win and it might be time to just try something else as a professional in another environment and that for Celtic to replace them as I've already said is very very difficult and that puts an onus on Celtic to have a scouting set up and, and a structure in place that allows them to go out and pluck uh, future talents that they can then bring into that side. And it seems like Celtic have only just begun to put together um, their system again after Lee Congerton's left. It's, it's quite a difficult situation for the club to be in, and that might be their greatest challenge as players go out the door. Yeah, well, you have to wonder about the guy who's come in basically to be uh, to help with transfers over the summer. You wonder, is he there? So if it doesn't work out, he's a fall guy. You know, it's a guy who can come in and then he'll be gone and they can go, well, if it, if we sold Tierney and didn't replace him very well, or we sold Cham and didn't replace him very well, well, it was this guy's fault and he's gone, you know. I also think it's important with Tierney as well that if he does leave, um, I think most Celtic fans will be rational enough and say, you know, we're gutted that he's left, but we can understand it. But I have already seen comments from people going, if I was playing for Celtic, no amount of money, I'd never leave for Arsenal and that kind of thing. I don't think you could, for a second, if Tierney took the took up the offer and went to Arsenal, I don't think for a second you could cast any doubt on his allegiance to the club. I don't think for a second people could accuse him realistically of walking out on the club he loves or anything like that. I think Tierney has given all of his adult life to Celtic. Um, I think he's been a fantastic player for the last few years. And I think most rational young players, when presented with that kind of opportunity, will be able to leave their allegiance to one, put their allegiance to one side and think, what is best for me as a player? I have a very short window here as a professional footballer at the top of my game. Tierney's probably got about seven years at the top of his game before he has to start taking step down to smaller clubs. So in that seven years, um, in that window, he's got to make the right moves. And if he decides that Arsenal and that massive infrastructure that that club has competing at the top of the English Premier League, if he decides that's for him, that I don't think is any reflection on how much he loves Celtic. I think it's just a sensible decision. People need to remember as well, it's a young man making a decision for an entire family. Yeah. It's not just him, it's his parents, it's his siblings, it's his partner. Yeah. Um, because that amount of money changes everyone's life forever. You yeah. can pay off your parents' mortgage, you can say, tell you what, Dad, you get stressed out by your work. Don't work again, here's yeah. a stipend. Yeah. Um, you can do the same for your brothers and sisters, set them up with a trust fund, Absolutely. send yeah. them off to university. And also... See, he gets a terrible, terrible injury and is forced to retire. He's got that 10 million contract that he knows will keep him going for the rest of his life. Yep. Footballers are people too. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it's too easy to get caught up into the, into the sort of celebrity element of it and not realise they have to make real life decisions just like we do. It's very easy for us 
because we will never ever be in this situation. <laughs> you try to tell me you don't think I'll ever earn <clears throat> seventy grand a week? Well, I mean, it depends how well this podcast goes. But <laughs> I, d- I don't, I don't think uh, anyone who's really discussing the tyranny thing, whether it be journalists or fans or anyone, anyone's ever really going to be in that position in yeah. their life where they have to make a decision like that. Um, and so it's very easy to sit there. Um, as a fan of a club and say, well, if I was playing for the club that I loved, I would never leave. But life isn't as simple as that. And no. I think um, I think if Tierney decides to stay for another couple of years, you couldn't blame him for that because he wants to see Celtic to that 10th successive title and he'd love to be there if or when it happens. But similarly, if he chooses to go to Arsenal just now or Napoli, um, I don't think you could blame him for that and I don't think that would count as a black mark against him with Celtic fans and regardless he will go away if he does leave with a terrific legacy being part of the Invincibles being part of the treble treble so arguably he's done everything that he can do Um, right we're going to move on now to Oren Kearney now he has missed today's first day of pre-season training at St Mirren there has been reports that he has had a bust-up with the chairman of the club and the board, uh, led by Gordon Scott. Um, basically, this seems to centre around um, the manager's commute that he would do after a game on Saturday back to Northern Ireland. It's a 25-minute flight, um, and there seems to be a, a sense that um, the manager should have got his family over for this season and relocated to Scotland very popular with the fans. Gaby, is this exactly what St Mirren don't need? They had tumult at the start of last season with Alan Stubbs, who brought a load of players in. Kearney completely changed that side. He brought all his own players in. And now, right at the start of the season again, we're going to have more upheaval by the looks of things because nobody would be betting on uh, Oren Kearney being uh, being St Mirren manager by the end of this week, would they? No, they wouldn't, and yeah, it's absolutely a big problem for St Mirren. I think if you look back over the last few seasons, they've had uh, every six months, more or less, they've been having complete overhauls of the squad, different managers. You saw last summer, Alan Stubbs came in and just was an absolute disaster. Uh, They got rid of him, Kearney came in, he had to wait till January, he brought in a lot of players, a lot of them were on loan and have left, by the way, so they'll need replaced, but he brought in a lot of players, he kept them up which if you speak to St Mirren fans they'll say you know they thought they were doomed by October so it, it was a it was a good achievement but it now looks like he won't be staying on and that means they're going to have to get another manager in and if you look at St Mirren's start to the season I think they've got is it Hibs Rangers and Aberdeen in the first three games which is a really tough start for any manager they're going to have to sign a load of players because the players that have left will need replaced so yeah I think it's, it's exactly what St Mirren didn't need and you know, I, I, we we don't obviously know uh, precisely what the what the details are. We think it is about this commute thing. You would think that there would be a way to defuse that situation. Doesn't seem like a huge problem to me. Flying home to Northern Ireland to see your family, who might, understandably might not want to live in Paisley. I suppose it depends on who's paying for the flights. Well, does the Mirren pay for the flights? Do we? Do we, know we this don't. Now? We don't know. But it's, I suppose this 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 could be part of it in terms of um, the the overall debate surrounding it because it does seem like a, a small issue yeah it seems like something that could be easily resolvable whether the i mean i would guess there would have to be a bit of compromise on both sides but it seems if this is what ends up being the straw that breaks the camel's back it seems like a don't get me wrong i'm not saying the guy's family situation is by any means trivial but it seems like a resolvable issue and for kearney to end up walking away from st mirren after the optimism 
that was around the place just weeks ago when mm. they came through the playoffs. Um, I think it would be a huge blow for St Mirren. We were talking on the podcast at the time after the game. The scenes after that, uh, after St Mirren stayed up, um, it wasn't just a case of relief that they uh, that they were staying in the top tier. They over-celebrated though, didn't they? <laughs> I'll let you go on record as saying that. No. I'm only kidding, folks. <clears throat> no, the 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 thing with the celebrations though was when you watched it, the players were mobbing Kearney. It was it wasn't a case of they had ma- somehow managed to scrape it to 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 stay up in spite of a manager who didn't have the dressing room. This was a team that clearly played for Kearney, and he'd managed to motivate a group of players that, as Gaby said, at one stage in the season looked completely bereft and no hope of staying up um, and he managed to kind of galvanise them and you could see in the celebrations at the end of the game that the players were mobbing him that there was a real respect in the dressing room for Kearney and you would have thought at that point that the idea going into this season would be okay well we've managed to stay up it didn't look likely and we've managed to do it let's build on that and try and make ourselves a solid premiership team Gaby, he's touched on there the the way that the fans and the players seem to have bought in to his uh, managerial reign. But when you actually look at the stark figures, it's a little bit different. And perhaps the board have looked at this. Played 38, won 8, drawn 10, lost 20. That's a win rate of 21%. Is there a a sense that perhaps Oren Kearney's reign has been a little bit overhyped? No, I don't think so. If you look at the end of the season, I think the end of the season, what was it, seven games unbeaten? Seven or eight games unbeaten? You've got to remember that when he came in, he was working with Alan Stubbs' signings, and I think everybody... Notoriously bad. Yeah, notoriously bad. bad. Uh, I think when he he got his own players in in January, it didn't work immediately, but I think after they got beaten by Celtic 3-0, I think, in February, I think after that, Rangers were the only team to beat them by more than one goal. So I think it's not necessarily helpful just to look at the win percentage, just to look at the stark results in that sense, because you, that doesn't take into account the situation in which he found himself. And I say they did end the season very strongly. I mean, they almost avoided the playoff altogether, having looked doomed. It's just Hamilton managed to get a win on the last day against St. Johnson. OK, and uh, we're going to move on now to a section brought to you by our lawyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's uh, looking at this column that came out uh, on Sunday, Frank McAvenny making some interesting comments regarding um, Partick Thistle's decision to feature a rainbow stripe on their away kit. Um, He made those comments in the Scottish Sun as part of an opinion piece. Adam, where where to start with this? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, that's kind of how I felt when I was reading it. And the the problem with it, the pro, well, there are several, several problems with it, but the, the problem with my reaction to it is I've probably given them exactly what they wanted with this column. They wanted the... the it's outcry. a living meme, which I yeah, now know because you explained it to me. Yeah, I've given them exactly what they, they wanted. I've played right into their hands. <laughs> uh, this is... It's, they, they've With this column, McAvenny has essentially said that there should be two away kits available for fans. There should be away kits for Partick Thistle fans who are fine with showing solidarity with LGBT plus people by having a rainbow flag on the kit, and there should be a kit for fans who aren't. 
And to me, that completely legitimises the idea that it's okay to think this is a bad thing. Um, he's gone on this. I mean, it's it's it, it contradicts itself. Uh, uh, does it, it doesn't make any sense when you read it. He's going on about how uh, it's a standpoint and it's like a a political gesture to have it, but. The, the LGBT plus flag, that, that uh, the rainbow flag, solidarity and uh, acknowledgement of LGBT plus football supporters is not a political act. It's just decent. It's just decency. It's not a main part of the kit either. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's a tiny little part of the kit. And I actually think, regardless of the, any any of this debate, it's actually a cool kit. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it's not like... It's not advertising queer eye. It doesn't have, like... It doesn't say Partick Thistle, Yas Queen. It's not that, <laughs> right? It's, all it is is a small gesture of solidarity with people who can, who are among the many people who form the Partick Thistle support and every support in Scottish football and it's not saying we are as as these backwards people are often want to say it's not ramming anything down anyone's throats it's not saying uh, you must be at every game announcing your uh, your open mindedness it's just a gesture of solidarity it's saying to people who are marginalised and who re- receive all manner of difficulty in their lives that straight people will never understand or will never have to endure it's saying that we recognise you as part of the fabric of Partick Thistle and so to say that that is somehow a political gesture or a stand or a standpoint um, is, is just a bizarre take to me Frank uh, McAvaney obviously has a right to say whatever he wants. It's uh, complete freedom of speech and it's up to him to make uh, his opinions known. But also at the same time, it's it's quite right and then for I think people to pick them apart as Adam's done in his piece today, line by line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, once I get going, I can't stop. <laughs> uh, Gaby, how do you view this? Uh, do you see it as one guy's views or do you see it as part of a wider problem with Scottish football being quite conservative with a small C. Well it's probably a little bit of both. I mean obviously when you think of when you think of Frank McAvenny you think Fanny and <laughs> he's obviously he's obviously made a bit of a bit of an arse of himself with that column. I mean just for I mean I thought uh, the very first line of the column where he said that uh, if a dad doesn't want to buy his son that kit because he might get bullied, that doesn't make him a homophobe. Surely the whole idea of having that on the kit is to sort of tr- try and attempt to help change the culture so kids wouldn't get bullied for <laughs> for being yeah. gay or having that thing. I mean, I think that's kind of missing the point. Is it a culture problem in Scottish football? I think, I think possibly it is. Not maybe just Scottish football, but not football. In football. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think possibly it is, and not necessarily in a conscious way. I think if you go to games, you will hear chants about you know using slurs for gay people that you wouldn't hear about black people or ethnic minorities or whatever. Now, I don't think the people doing these chants are necessarily homophobes in themselves. I just think they don't... Not that they don't understand what they're doing, but to them it's not the same as slurring someone of an ethnic minority, which, again, I think is probably part of the reason why you want to have these awareness campaigns to try and stop those things. I think in football in general I think there obviously is because there are no out gay currently professional football players are there I mean I know we've had Thomas Hitzelsberger after he retired came out as being gay but Just, Justin Fashnu was the only one that I can remember in my lifetime and he took an enormous amount of abuse yeah. Yeah. throughout his career I don't know if anyone's watched the, the Justin Fashnu documentary on Netflix right? but uh, there are some quite horrific scenes of uh, Justin Fashnu taking part in a um, debate show on an STV, an all Scottish audience, and, and I'm getting some 
strong abuse from a, a sort of Christian element within the audience who who obviously take their religious viewpoint on on uh, sexuality. And that was, you know, 20 years ago. I don't think it would happen now, 25 years ago. But uh, Fashnu certainly did not have an easy life on the back of his decision to come out. So I think that's been, a, a, sadly, um, that's been something that's perhaps put players off. Well, the thing is, you always, you always see in amongst, the, when you get a backlash to anything progressive in Scottish football, there's always this kind of minority that say things like, well, they've got equal rights. What more do they want? But the backlash itself proves exactly why we need these gestures of solidarity because they don't have equal... They, they might, on paper, have more rights than they had 20 years ago, but we haven't eradicated the prejudice towards LGBT plus people and other minority groups. And so any time we do anything, a small gesture of solidarity for them, that's categorically a good thing. Um, I think, personally, the best reaction that I've seen to McAvenny was... Uh, Someone responded to the piece that I did today, where I was making, where I was talking about how McAvenny had said, you know, we can do one kit for uh, people who are fine with this and one kit for people who aren't. And this guy said, well, presumably on that basis, the Sun can run one edition of the paper with McAvenny's column and one without, and we can just choose which one we want to read. We're going to call it a day. So we'll be back tomorrow, as usual, before 4 p.m., just in time to make your work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website at footballscotland.co.uk or on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scotland. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can do that on at Johnny R. McFarlane for me, on at Old Firm Facts 1 for Adam, and on at Gaby Mackay for Gaby. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>